unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this month we're going to be doing a, another special of sorts. We're going to be revisiting the muscles from Brussels that is Jean-Claude Van Damme in not just one, but two films spanning 1988 to 1993. Isn't that right, George? That's correct. So, yeah, we uh, the aim of this podcast is we we revisit the films that we grew up with and watch repeatedly as as youths. And uh, I just can't believe, uh, you know, we've we've been doing this podcast for for almost 2 years and this is our first foray into Van Damme. I mean, even at the time we knew he was funny in in a way that he didn't realise, uh, in a martial arty sort of way, it was all about the splits. And, and we we spent a lot of time watching these 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 kind of films repeatedly. I mean, yeah, we've we've watched a lot of Arnie films, but I'd say sort of Van Damme was 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 right up there. Oh yeah, no, it was yeah Van Damme, Stallone, and uh, Arnie. You know, there was and obviously a lot of Kurt Russell, a uh, bit of Swayze. But yeah, he was he was up there. He's probably a lot of our screen mm. time, a lot of time on the Glenn Dennings camp. Ouch. Um, yes, I think we, we've we've talked about in the past that you know our our old next door neighbours, the Glen Dinnings, were quite influential on on the films that we watched growing up, and they were massive Van Damme fans. Well, not and just just as much as we were. So yeah, in this episode, we will be covering uh, chronologically. We're going to start off covering Bloodsport. Yeah, so his uh, Van Damme's breakout hit. Yeah, and then we're going to move on and cover the John Woo film from 1993, which which was Hard Target. So depending, uh, by the way, if you're not into Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'd just turn this episode off right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if depending on what you want to go back and reminisce on, we're going to start with Bloodsport. We spend probably a bit more time on that. And then we're going to tail off um, with Hard Target. And that will probably be around the half an hour, 40 minute sort of mark. If you want to check yeah. it out. If you, we'll, we'll, we'll put it in the in the notes, the, the exact time we start talking about Hard Target. So this is the first time we've done two different films uh, in a sort of in a back-to-back feature. Yeah, so um, before we dive into it, George, quick word on house, general housekeeping when it comes to doing the splits. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we are film lovers, we are, we are not experts, um, but we aim to entertain, we aim to throw in a little bit of trivia about these films that you may not have known. Um, so we'll be going into uh, detail on, on both these films from the, from the very off, so there will be spoilers and uh, you know if you haven't seen these films uh, why are you listening to these podcasts because they like our voices um, but of course they see it as entertainment rather than an education of sorts um, this uh, is probably not a family friendly show there will be some colourful language and there's more than likely to be some very bad impressions uh, of Jean-Claude Van Damme and other people um, that he is associated with. Well, yeah, and the the other thing I think is always worth pointing out is that the reason George and I do this podcast is that we are uh, we're taking a trip down memory lane. You know, these are the films of our youth, and we're remembering what we enjoyed back then. And I think it's worth pointing out with Bloodsport. You know, I was nine <laughs> when I got into this film, so I mean, I, I think I have carried over a lot of the things that I thought were funny. 
um, when I was nine. So if it does come across as a little bit immature, you know, we weren't 18 when we watched these 18 films. We were very, but I get the feeling now looking back that we were the target audience. Yes, yes. We're targeting much, yeah. uh, young kids, uh, young kids who are going to rate their dads, uh, video cabinets. That's almost the feeling you get because it's laughably laughably uh, cheesy um, and so many other things wrong with it but it's still got a lot of love a lot of fond memories yeah so um, yeah we're going to start with uh, we're going to start Bloodsport and then we're going to move on to Hard Target there isn't actually uh, we're going to obviously we're going to cover the we, we go through the film at 1, at 2, at 3 George will start us off giving us some a bit of the production background into uh, who brought us these films and any challenges and anything else that was interesting going on behind the scenes uh, but I don't think there's going to be much coulda, woulda, shouldas when it comes to Bloodsport because there really was only Jean-Claude Van Damme it was a star vehicle yeah so young and so mm. sexy in this film um, right so uh, without further ado, we're going to hop on a plane to Hong Kong and, um, and then we're and, going to and, uh, find the Kumite. 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 So uh, sit back, relax, in the splits, obviously, uh, and enjoy this Jean Claude Van Damme episode. Take us away, George. The Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. A forbidden competition where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique in savage combat, and only one will triumph. International martial arts sensation Jean-Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport. So George, 1988, Bloodsport. I know Jean-Claude Van Damme is obviously in this film, but who's the director? Because it's not that bad. Directed by a guy called Newt Arnold. I haven't gone as far as researching his uh, his back history, but I'm pretty sure he had. This is his probably his biggest film. And he's definitely a he, because obviously the only other Newt I know is in uh, Aliens. Yes, um, but a girl. So yes, uh, Newt Arnold. Um, so it is based on some unverified claims by martial artist Frank Dukes who was apparently in the army in the still training the special forces to be ninjas apparently <laughs> well, anyone anyone who believes him in, he was in the CIA and he also was a uh, the first western champion of this highly secretive fighting tournament known as the Kumite that is basically like Fight Club. Nobody talks about it. So it's super secret. Yeah. That's why... The triads know about it. The, yeah, but they're, the Japan, they're not willing to talk about the it. The police know about it. Uh, the military, the US military know about it. Oh, yeah, in the film. In the film, In yeah. the film. But I think that we're... Should we, should we get this elephant in the room? Let's talk about... I think we should, it is a good place to start. Let's talk about 
Frank Dukes. So, um, so it's, it's, it's like only to... until the end of the film that it says based on true events. Yeah. So it doesn't say at the start based on a true story. Yeah, it's like it hits you with that, you know, that roundhouse at the end, that sucker punch. Yeah. Based on a true story. So say, whoa, this is, there's a real Frank Dukes now. Mm. As much as I can remember this, I as I say, I was very young when I watched this. I really didn't care if it was true or not. But the story behind what has come out since is rather funny. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, again, it's, it's, it's a time, you know, time before the internet where there wasn't that sort of rumour mill as easily accessible and easily consumable. There's so, a lot of chatter. So um, there was a, I think, a New York Times or an LA Times article that came out a year or so after the film came out, basically uncovering Frank Dukes as a complete fraud. There's a quote from uh, one of the co-writers, Sheldon Letich, who said, so he, he's basically saying that he was kind of, had an idea from the start. So he says, uh, Frank told me a lot of tall tales, most of which turned out to be bullshit. But his stories about participating in the so-called Kumite sounded like a great idea for a film. He introduced me to another guy who had been at the Kumite called Richard Bender, and he swore everything that Frank told me was true. A few years later, this guy had a falling out with Frank and confessed to me that everything he told me about the Kumite was a complete lie. Frank had coached him what to say. So apparently Frank Dukes is the only person that has gone on record to talk about the Kumite. No one else has supported his claims. There's no, no other his, evidence. He takes his bullshit very seriously to the extent where he will coach someone to lie for him yes. to back up his true story. And apparently uh, going so far as uh, buying trophies as well. <laughs> I like the story. There's another anecdote that I that came directly from the mouth of Dukes that was that he chatted during the making of it, him and Van Damme had a falling out. So he, apparently, sorry, he alleges, is probably the best way mm. to phrase that, he alleges that he challenges Van Damme. He's like, yeah, he, he, was, he, was, he makes his martial arts good for the film. Uh, he was a former dancer. We know these are true. Yeah. Um, but he says, but he was not really a, a true fighter like myself. Uh, this is what Dukes comes out with. So I challenged him to a fight. We went onto the roof of a building and when we got up there, I walked out onto a ledge that was only about two feet wide and I jumped up in the end at a roundhouse and said, come on then. And Van Damme looked at me and told me I was crazy and walked away. So, I mean, that kind of gives you, I think, an insight into his trouble, his struggle with fact and fiction. Yes. Yes, indeed. So I think it's worth going into detail. So this was Van Damme's first major starring role and producer Mark de Salle said they were looking for a new martial arts star who was a ladies man but the great thing about Van Damme is that he appeals to both men and women <laughs> he's an American hero who fights for justice the American way and kicks the stuffing out of the bad guys absolutely uh, the most sort of interesting but he's French of, or Belgian or what are they they don't really explain that uh, they say, I think his mother was, for, uh, or Canadian maybe? You have come to grow wine. <laughs> yes. I that's grow it. fish. Um, <laughs> we both grow children. <laughs> so this film was made, uh, the production company or production studio is uh, Canon Films. So Canon Films were uh, a huge studio and they also had cinemas in the in the seven, uh, 60s 70s and 80s they hit financial trouble by the end of the 70s and got uh, bought out by two israeli guys called menahem golan and yoram globus 
for half a million dollars. These uh, two cousins were desperate to get into Hollywood and they forced, uh, their business model was basically buying crap scripts and putting them into production with like minimal budget. So proper exploitation films. But they, they did well for themselves. They had a lot of success. So, so the, some of their biggest hits were the Death Wish sequels and they uh, launched the Delta Force films as well. I think I've seen at least one of those. But they were also responsible for igniting a worldwide ninja craze. So basically, <laughs> the 80s was massive for ninjas. But Death the, stars, sunrise. Yeah, so the whole sort of uh, making ninjas cool and popular. So they, there was an anthology series consisting of Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja. Did they do American Ninja? Yes, they did American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff as yeah. well. And Ninja 3, The Domination. There's actually a there's a documentary about these two guys called uh, Electric Boogaloo, the, the wild story of Canon Films. So that looks like... Uh, I'm going to check we, that we out. Should, we should check it out. So, yeah, these guys, I mean, they were primarily known for B-movie sort of action exploitation films, but they did musicals, they did comedies. Um, one of the musicals they did was Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo, which uh, was one of Van Damme's first film appearances. He appears as a an extra dancing in the background of a scene, and it's available online, and you can see Van Damme is working really hard to get noticed. <laughs> um, I think you've shown this to me in the past. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, they were also responsible for making Andre Konchalovsky's Runaway Train. Andre Konchalovsky was the original director of Tango and Cash. Ah, right, yeah, I remember his name. Yeah. But some of their biggest hits, as I say, we've talked about the Delta Force series, but they also managed to pick up a few big properties towards the end of their tenure, one being Masters of the Universe, oh. which is a definite a future retro ramble. We are so going back to that film. And I think one of the first films I saw at the cinema. Yeah. And another film, which I think probably the same year, Superman for The Quest for Peace. Oh, oh so, my God. So both films are renowned for being having quite a low budget and, <laughs> and cutting a few corners. So, yeah, these guys, um, I say, were the kings of sort of uh, low budget. So this film had a budget of between one and a half and two million dollars, but it went on to gross 65 million. So that's pretty good for considering the size of the budget. Yeah. What's it made in DVD, well, that's VHS it. and Blockbuster? The amount of people who rendered that. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it, it turned uh, the, you know, the, pretty much the unknown Van Damme into a star overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I picked up on this film is how young and fresh he looks. Oh, God, he's so sexy. So sexy. When, um, speaking of dancers, because, yeah, that is the thing that I heard about in terms of my contribution to the production chat, is that, because I was intrigued to, I was like, I know this guy, Dukes, is a fraud, so I did do some checking up on him. And it was the fact that said, yeah, everybody who was in this film had to be able to take a punch. So, you know, we only selected the hardest. Everyone in the film who appears fighting in the film is a martial artist, uh, well, there were no stuntmen, so they're just martial artists mm. or dancers. <laughs> okay. Because dancers can take a punch, right? Right. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of dancing, at what point do we talk about the vests? The vests? Jean-Claude Van Damme's amazing vests. Well, there's, there's some... some... Well, is it a vest? Is it, or is it a leotard? Is it a mantard? What there, is it? There, there's some lovely fashion choices throughout this film that I'm sure we'll we'll cover on. 
Um, There's definitely a progression of risque, and I I just like to put a theory out there, and we will get to it because I'm sure one day we're, we're mentioning a lot of films we're going to cover in the future. But one day I'm sure we're going to get to AWOL and lots of leotards in that. What the thing are you wearing in in AWOL with the shorts and yeah, basically a cycling bib? Yeah, amazing. So and I think so that's ahead what of you, its time. I think that's what he wears in uh, Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, maybe it's it's you know it was such a low budget film, bring your own costume to work. <laughs> but yeah, should we? Uh, crack into the, the main review yes I mean I love the intro to this film I think obviously there's a lot of stock footage well it's <laughs> uh, second unit I mean it? it's not one training montage it's multiple training montages yeah but it's interspersed with them you know brushing and setting up the, yeah uh, g- getting the the the, uh, the tournament ready yeah and I, that's what I like about it it's like it's a very good a very good economic exposition it's going around the world seeing yeah. all the different people and do we talk about the monkey man the monkey man yeah it's not racist not racist at he's all he's just a black guy that pretends he's a, and fights like a monkey yeah I don't know what they were thinking and and smashes open coconuts yeah because it is kind of highly disrespectful um, Is it, are they suggesting that he's from African and that's the martial arts of Africa I, th- I think it's basically to give it a certain exoticism yeah and of yeah because well they've even got they've got Hussein you know who's clearly you know from you know the uh, oh, you mean the sleazy Arab? Yeah, the United uh, Emirates sort of uh, yeah. Arab I mean, Emirates sort in of terms area. of uh, racial stereotyping, it's pretty awful. In Wide this brush definitely yeah. being used. Um, so yeah, you've you've got all the the different training montages of people around the uh, the world, but then it cuts to Frank Dukes um, just just doing practicing on the uh, what they call the you know the punching bag. The is it a speedball or something? The yeah, the, yeah, yeah. When he's at the in the army, he's yeah. just doing multiple roundhouses. Yeah, as you do, as you do. You know, doing what he does best. Before, I mean, we just launch into flashback. We're right? four minutes twenty eight seconds in when we launch into a twelve minute flashback. <laughs> uh, it, it, it felt like the longest flashback ever. There's so much happening in it. There's so much happening. You basically get to see his his whole life in. From when he broke in, yeah. So, <laughs> so he he breaks in, and the 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 guy playing young Frank uh, Dukes is something special. You didn't flinch. You have fighting spirit. You're not gonna call the cops. Not if we make a deal. What kind of a deal? And what kind of deal? <laughs> can, can I call him special? He seems a little bit slow. I think he might be on a spectrum. I don't know if he, it, it might just be a, a case of bad uh, ADRRR. Um, but he also uh, it reminded me, he, he looks nothing like Van Damme. He looks more like a young Adam Sandler. Yeah, I know, but he does sound like him. Uh, I think I think they, I think he's hired because when he does the ADR work, he sounds a bit like a young Van Damme. I think we're going to have to drop in some of his dialogue because it is just... It is just amazing yeah um, and but, then we've got that great chat between the so obviously he's, he's corrected and then he's caught and then you have this brilliant chat between Shishodi Shishodo what's he called uh, uh, the sensei Tanaka isn't it yeah well let's just call it that's yeah. easier um, Tanaka and um, obviously Frank Frank Deuce's uh, parents and it's just that, that that great chat of how he gets them it's like your your son needs it's a science and there's so much exposition discipline. Yeah. But then we get some more casual racism because Frank Dukes is having his handed uh, us handed to him and uh, uh, Tanaka's son says, Why don't you just quit, round eye? 
I made a note of that as well. <laughs> I like that because I don't know about anybody else, but that to me just sounds like um, this, that sounds like the type of racial slur that an American thinks that a, that a Japanese person just, just would, level, would, would level yeah. at, a, at a Caucasian. But then we get a training montage within a flashback. I wanted to point that out. Uh, I think this is one of five montages in this film. Uh, and ten flashbacks. Yeah. Um, we get our first display of splits 11 minutes in. Yeah. And but it's a flashback splits. It's not the same as, yeah. Yeah. But then there's that whole stretching scene. Yeah. I'm not sure why that's relevant, why that's supposed to... It's is it a just thing. Condi- it's just conditioning. It's a thing. It's, you know, it's about, apparently, Frank Duke says that it's about that you can... It's about finding your inner center when you're surrounded by pain and you're being, you know, it's being... It's like meditation. Yeah. Yeah, but when, when you're being beaten and, and stretched, uh, drawn and quartered mm. uh, like that, and then you can find total body, Con- total consciousness, total consciousness, like Bill Murray says in Caddyshack. And I'm pretty sure when he's being on the, like, the rack being stretched, he's having flashbacks within a flashback, within a training montage. I think, yeah, I think that's how he finds his chi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's double flashback. It is a flashback within a flashback. Um, you see, I think this, uh, f- you know, this film has inspired Inception in, in many ways. Yeah, dream within a dream. And you've got yeah. that, um, that great scene that... Uh, I always remember James Glendening pointing out to me that when he's being hit with the staff and he's just doing all the meditative moves like that, not only can you see that he's wearing protective pads, yeah. you can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> they haven't taken the mic out. So he's, he's apparently being, he's being whacked with the bow staff and he's trying to prove that he can take the pain. And you can see that it's like, it's, you can hear him being hit. It's, actually, it's just a pad. Um, there's a bit where he's serving the, the tea blindfolded, but then just randomly attacked. Randomly. It's, it's, it's a little bit like Clouseau and Cato. <laughs> Always prepare. <laughs> Always be ready for attack. Yeah, and, um, and and Tanaka's wife is so proud at so, that moment where he tries to chop his neck. Yeah. And he catches and she's just like, oh, it's so nice. But one of the reasons why we know it's a flashback, because one, someone has smudged a lot of Vaseline on yeah. the lens for that soft focus, but also they haven't let Van Damme, they've just blow-dried his hair to make it look a bit bigger. Yeah, they, they keep changing his hair in this to show like the passage of time. And also, throughout this really brief 12-minute flashback, they keep going back to him. And yeah. it's just a picture of his face. He's like, no, no, we haven't left. No, no, he's, it's like, he's, it's like trying he's to still thinking. He's yes, still this thinking. is a long flashback, but we haven't actually left the first introductory yeah. scene of him going to visit uh, sick Tanaka, um, who, I don't know why, I mean, this, this is one of the things I think I've carried over from, um, from being 10 or 11, watching, 9, 10, 11, watching this film, when he says, I have poured all my knowledge into you. I'm just, I don't know, I just used to giggle mm, when he said that. What was he doing to him? <laughs> Anyway, flashback's over. So he time to go to Hong Kong. He goes to Hong Kong again. Some, as you say, some stock footage. Then I think it cuts to. Actually, no. We, we were introduced that the the, uh, the is it the military after him and none other than Academy Award winner Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, is on, is on the case. The thing I like about that, yeah, I mean, I've, I've won an Oscar. I've been in Star Wars. I had to start somewhere. Oh, no, no, but it's like, yeah, I won an Oscar. I've been in Star Wars, but I was in Bloodsport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got to start some. But him, I and, worked with Thunder. But him and the other sidekick uh, M- MP, military police guy, 
if you watch this film, like, they're the only two people in this... I mean, obviously, he's gone on to win Oscars. It's Forrest Whitaker. Um, but they're the only two people who, who can actually act in this film. Like, Pretty he's, much. You know, Pretty like, he's doing the calming, you know, older guy, trying to calm... They are definitely at a different level from anyone else in this film. They've, they've, they've really prepared. Yeah. They, they know their lines. They've understood they've their got, characters. They've, they've got, got good, to, good comic timing. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and it keeps cutting back to them. And they will obviously... Uh, they will feature later on. We'll, we'll get... To to the the whole thing when they actually catch up uh, with Frank Deuce. Mm. But before that, I was trying to work out. I want to put a theory to you, like in terms of guarding the cost of this. I have a theory that this entire film was filmed in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, because oh yeah. For but sure. I mean, like the whole military thing. He doesn't go to, when he says he go to Hong Kong. Because when I was younger, I used to think that he was actually he was he was in the army in oh, the states. Oh, and, right. and he actually lived. That the whole backstory, the whole flashback, was actually taking place yeah. in in the US, and I think it's because yeah, his mates are yeah. That's what's confusing. So in the first flashback, when he's like, yeah, you want to hang out with us, you're gonna have to steal the samurai sword. God damn it. Yeah. Um, and his mates are American, so you get the impression that that they that this is happening in America. Either that or it's military base. Oh no, because no, his parents aren't his his parents aren't military. His are parents, they? well, his parents have moved there to grow wine. Right. Grow, he doesn't even say wine. He says wine yards. Wine yards. It says wine yards, which I love. I mean, you'd think with an eleven-minute flashback, you'd get your story right. Really, yeah, I think it's about twelve and a half minutes. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I just it only occurred to me watching it, and something always does creep out at you when you go back and visit. I was like. This is all. This is all filmed there. Like everything, just looks tropical, and you know. Yeah. So. And for a highly secretive tournament, all the fighters are staying in the same hotel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Keep it under the nose. Every and they all know what's going on. And how does the reporter hear about it? Super secret. Yeah. Um, but they've got a um, a rep of sorts. Well, we he's get, been we, sent from the IFAA, which I can only understand is the International Federation of something art, fighty fighty <laughs> arts, is of. Uh, artisanal art. I mean I, I, we could look it up but, but so yeah. could you um, <laughs> fair, point, fair point so we get to meet Jackson comedy relief Jackson is brilliant in this I mean he he's having fun he's having a lot of fun somebody I, paid for a flight ticket to Hong Kong for Christ's sake yeah I don't think I remember him from anything else in particular but he's no. one of the highlights in this yeah, I'd yeah. say he's, uh, he's, he's, he's also got... does some useful exposition for the audience yeah, he is definitely, yeah, our, our, our eyes. You like this kind of fighting, huh? Yeah. You want to see some real fighting, you can see me fight at the Kumite. I'm here too for the Kumite. Aren't you a little young for full contact? Aren't you a little old for video games? So yeah, we get the uh, the first yeah you you you, you Frank Ducks you Frank Ducks <laughs> no that's Dukes <laughs> put put up put up your Dukes yeah and and he takes him to the dojo or the wherever well to the Kumite yeah and the most evil corridor they seem to be walking down that corridor for about three minutes yeah it's like trying to say that it's like in the dark underworld and then they meet that really nice guy that we love okay USA <laughs> and even Jackson's pissing himself at that yeah I mean, it's. Uh, that is one of the best quotes in that. We, Show us. We ne- we need to know how hard Frank Dukes really is. You want to see my invitation? <laughs> yeah, where's your invitation? I just love it. It's like, you can't be Tanaka student. Only Tanaka student. Even though we've never seen anything like this. Show us. 
death touch. Yeah. Show us the DMAC, which is complete bollocks. Yeah. I was trying to work out the physics of that, of uh, actually how they had they actually did the stunt. Also. Oh, no, but you can tell from the camera that, yes, he, he hits the bricks and then there's an explosion, <laughs> but it's like clouds outwards. It's out of shot. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things. I'm sure I'm sure it is possible. But I prefer Jackson's approach, which is just headbutting, <laughs> just headbutting the brick. And I've just got my notes after this. How high are Van Damme's trousers? <laughs> well, yeah, there's the. We went to see Roadhouse the other night. And yes, we, we did. were we were impressed at the altitude of Kevin. Uh, sorry, Kevin. Okay. Patrick Swayze's <laughs> trousers. Wow. Yes, it was definitely well, probably around the, the same time. But maybe there was maybe there was h- a, high waists were definitely in. Somebody tell that to Simon Cowell. Yeah. <laughs> but very tight as well. As you say, you, there's that contrast of tight trousers, but flowing yeah, shirts. Flowing shirts. Um, we get to uh, meet the first glimpse of, of the villain, uh, Chong Li. Chong Li. Chong Li. So, uh, Chong the reigning Li. champion. Chong Li is played by a guy called Bolo Young, who studied under Bruce Lee. Yep. Uh, and actually appeared in, I think he, they fought, he fought Bruce Lee in Enter the Dragon. Yep. Um, but he's also appeared in... An, he's not as an, big, by the way, in mm-hmm. Enter the Dragon because he gets into weightlifting in between. Oh, no, I, I looked up uh, his biography on IMDb and it says, known for his overly large pecs. I mean, <laughs> you notice he does the, what I call the, 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 Homer the, Simpson, the Homer Simpson pec dance. I was, I was a little bit mesmerised by the size of his pecs. But, you know, apparently they say he was the biggest gentle giant they say he was a totally oh, nice guy had his son on set and like any downtime he was just playing with him yeah yeah, yeah no, whereas he looks he looks like he does evil very good very good evil like, and deranged when he's fighting he just he, looks like it's like rabid I, yeah uh, especially lines with very good but bricks don't hit back yeah and a lot of like menacing use of many waving his arms and putting the finger across his neck. <laughs> mm. So yeah, then we're back uh, in the in the reception yeah. where or the the hotel bar where all these fighters are. We get uh, to see the um, coin trick. Uh, I'm milling around because yeah, you've got the the hot reporter who's just uh, just give me a break. I'm just after the story, and the sleazy Arabs want to take her back to her room. Wow. Yeah. I mean. Wow. Just wow. It it, it does show. Uh, how far things have come <laughs> since 1988 in terms yeah. of the treatment of women, even though there's still a long way to go. But yeah, so you've got that that coin so, trick. So the coin trick, he replaces a coin, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he takes not because the trick, the bet is that I will take that coin, and not only he goes one step further, and that is apparently a um, a hybrid of a magic trick that Bruce Lee used to do, which was he used to put it in your other hand, uh-huh. and he actually did it, and people saw it in real life, whereas. I think I'm kind of guessing there was some camera trickery in this. I'm pretty sure Frank Dukes did it. Yeah, yeah, well, I oh, mean, sorry, Dukes. Duke, that's Dukes. What what can he not do? Then, uh, and obviously, we've got some hilarious ADR coming from that Hussein bloke. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's coming with me upstairs. No, I'm not. If we have to fight for her, then both of us would be thrown out of the kumite. We could arrange this another way. Do you gamble? What is bad? And, I mean, the lines are bad, and the ADR is bad. Oh, it's, it's, it's like they haven't even tried. Yeah, I mean, it's so so like, close enough. Yeah, <laughs> so 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 lazy. So, yeah, we're getting introduced. Then there's actually there's the introduction to the Kumite. It actually starts because yes. when they're going there, they're just going there to register. And the entire introduction is done in English. <laughs> yes, I noticed that as well. 
I mean, that would have been, I think, they could have got away with doing the rest of this film in English and only having that bit in the local language. Cantonese. Yeah, Cantonese. That was, thank you, brother. But yeah, it just kind of sticks out now, looking back at it. It's just like, well, that's, I guess, just for the audience. And I think there's, uh, in the like, as Peter Griffin points out, when they refer to the title of the film in a bit of dialogue, and I think there's the line, that's why they call it Bloodsport. Yeah, and there's obviously some world records being, um, we get to see, like, we get to see each of the main characters have a fight, so we get to see yeah, Chung Lee, we get to see Jackson do whatever fighting style he has, which is just headbutting people. Yeah, and just, yeah. And saying, yeah, come on! Yeah, and, and then it's, it's, it's almost time for a, for a montage, I think. A fight montage, isn't a it? fight montage, yeah. I'm sorry, there's some world records broken. Chung Lee breaks the record 14 seconds, and then Van Damme... I'm pretty sure Chung Lee fights a guy that looks like Bruce Lee, and I'm pretty sure that's intentional. Yeah, you think? He's like black and yellow. And his fighting style is yeah. as well. Yeah. Got the montage, which Monkey Man reappears, yeah. doing slapping his head, flipping around. It's like, how else can we make these <laughs> this film feel longer than it really you've, is? There's so much padding in this film. You've also got, I think it's the legendary Stan Bush and his song, Kumite, Kumite, Kum. I think Fight to Survive is the real title of that track. Oh, what a soundtrack. I mean, can we talk about the music now? Because... I do like it. There's that when he's doing it in the in the first flashback. There's that there's that sort of build up music, and it's and it's and it's you know it's a nice sort of Cantonese sort of vibe. Flutes, going. yeah, the flutes, pan, pan pipes, yeah, pan pipes. Yeah, the music's good, and then obviously rock, rock, cool, <laughs> because it's the '80s and it's pop, America, pop rock. But then the uh, the military police finally catch up with uh, Frank Dukes, and one of my favourite lines from Jackson. I ain't your pal, dickface. <laughs> <laughs> and then what proceeds when he pretends he's going to go with them is we have the gayest chase scene oh, ever seen. Yeah. I, I mean, the I've, music. I've, I've, I've got in my notes here, Van Damme, let's get silly. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so, it's got awful, like, uh, 80s pop music on yeah. it. I think they've, they've told him this is the chance to show off his comedy side, his playful yeah. side. So yeah, there's there's lots of him like run doing laps around the buses. The guys that the, the guy and doesn't fair, he stop at one point? Like yeah. it's sort of stopping and looking. It's like I can do comedy. I, hey, <laughs> I'm so playful, right? Yeah, guys, people need to see my funny side. Yeah, um, and the military police guys are just useless. Yeah, I mean they've proven they can act, but they can't run. They, they can't they jog. Def- they definitely can't run. Um, so yes, that's hilarious bit of comedy with both guys ending up in the river. And then we change the lenses on the camera because we're going to need some self-focus because it's sexy time. Uh, yes, uh, some unnecessary butt shot. So <laughs> even though it's the 80s, renowned for, you know, the era of, of tits and ass. Yeah. Um, we the only ass we get to see, see in this film is, is JCVD. Is Van Damme's. I mean, what an ass. <laughs> what an ass. The, the tender moment of, of love. Um, as Van Damme puts on his maroon pants but then she she's she's trying to get uh, Frank Dukes to get her into the the Kumite undercover but she manages to go with the the betting guy I thought he was the bad guy from License to Kill but he's he's brilliant (laughs) I love that that guy Um, but she she goes to uh, Frank Dukes she says she's dressed up like like a pro (laughs) and she goes don't worry this isn't the first time I've gone undercover. <laughs> like, like, and then she winks. She's yeah, like, oh, you kid. are whoring yourself out. Yeah. Um, 
And then we have uh, another fight montage because yeah, we're not ready for the final fight. There's there's a fight montage, but she's she's gone totally undercover. But you see the point where she gets out her massive tape recorder <laughs> to get to take notes to herself. Yes, they are fighting this way. Yeah, and maybe just like it's so obvious, you know, her reaction to all of that. But I say her date client whatever you want to gambling call man i've got him down as um he's he's fine with all of it you know he's throwing money at it and then um so you got the fir- we another you got a uh, van damme uh, fighting the big sumo guy yeah and he's trying everything and he's just not getting anywhere what's he have to do splits punch splits punch in the yeah. nuts a wedgie wedgie n- splits but yeah n- nut shot um, which I'll, I'll probably. Uh, You're going to show me that now. I'm going to show. I'm gonna show you. <laughs> Is this going to hurt? Um, no, but um, I mean, it's probably common knowledge to uh, a lot of people. But um, Mortal Kombat uh, took a lot of inspiration from this film. The, the makers openly said Johnny Cage, and yeah, obviously Johnny, Johnny Cage, Cage is, is lifted. It, is yeah. Van Damme in all but anyway, and his signature move is doing the split split punch. Yeah. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of uh, nugget of trivia there. Um, so after the splits punch, we have Jackson versus Chong Li. Some real drama, dramatic tension. And it's the penny drops. We have an emotional connection with Jackson. We like him. JCV likes him. We're not sure where this is going, but it's the friendship doesn't even have a chance to blossom outside of the Kumite, does it? Well, Jackson it appears to be a bit of an idiot. He he hits Chong Li once and then starts celebrating and turns his back on him. Foolish, yeah. foolish. Um, but also, because of this tragedy of Chung Lee turning the tables and and beating the shit out of uh, Jackson, gives JCVD the chance to go. Which he has to do at least once. Stakes have been raised. Yeah, and and, and Chung Lee does his super evil of just flexing and and pu- fist and, look, and this is the bit where he just looks deranged and rabid and, and hungry for blood now remind me George so and this is the bit the police are the MPs are, are yeah. supporting him supporting him OK yeah. USA yeah they, they, they realise well, they're protecting, that they're protecting their quarry aren't they oh, I, su- I suppose so um, so this leads into another uh, what I've, I've put in my notes as reflection montage yeah some more sad music so Van Damme's just trying to work out what he's got to do and he he gets on the bus and he's looking out the window uh, but in the reflection it's Chong Li <laughs> but it's not Chong Li it was all a dream yeah um, so yeah it's very moving some more flashbacks I think yeah. to his training and to Jackson getting beaten up so flashback from minutes earlier but it's not the last flashback we're going to see. Oh, God, no. God, no. Um, but then we get, in terms of, like, this film doesn't have amazing cinematography, but there's a brilliant shot of him getting ready for the fight where yeah. overlooking the whole of Hong Kong and Van Damme is just doing the splits on the on the edge of a precipice yeah. and it looks awesome. It does look awesome. It's and a that, great shot. That was actually uh, lifted in some computer game that I had on the Commodore Amiga. Commodore Amiga. Um, which was the, um, was yeah, him in the sunset uh, doing those sort of moves. Yeah. Oh no, that's, you're getting confused with uh, Kickboxer when they do. How can I possibly get <laughs> confused with Kickboxer? I mean, they're, they're completely different films, surely. <laughs> You're probably right. But yeah, him doing the training against the sunset yeah. was off a fighting game. But when you look for this uh, film, you will see that shot of him warming up before the final 
Yes. Kumite. 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 Um, but yeah, we, we're back at the, the Kumite and the gambling guy comes up to him. Hey, Dukes, I've got money riding on you. Yeah. And she's back. There's yeah. been a night passing, so, so, she, so she's, she's still We're pretty working. much sure she, the, still there, there undercover. Had, there has been a transaction in order to hold on to her client, the things she will do oh, for yeah, a no, story. Because he's, he's almost... Uh, he seems happier, the gambling guy. No, he's, he's almost late for the thing, and the gambling guy's going to pay off the judge as he shoves the money in, and yeah. then Dukes turns up <laughs> and, and he takes, takes the money, money away. Like, there is some little... little yeah, a few more minutes. There are some good little... And also the bit where the guy's tooth gets knocked out earlier in the film. I think that's some more casual racism. <laughs> these, these guys will you do anything. Asian guy. Yeah. Oh, the cleaner. Leave it up to him. Look at him. It looks just funny. Che- just checking nobody's looking and steal I, that I, gold tooth. I can remember giggling at that. So, um, it's all come to this. All of these flashbacks have brought us to an opportunity to have some more flashbacks. Well, no, no. So, uh, Chong Lee kills a guy, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Kills kill a guy. guy. Uh, and the judges turn their backs on him. And this just reminded me of the Mighty Boosh, where <laughs> the magical council. Dung, 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 yeah. dung. We're going to have to turn our backs um, on you. Yeah. No. Don't give me. I'm going to have to give you the cold shoulder. No. Um, but now we're down to uh, the final fight. Yeah. It's come to this. Dukes versus Chong Lee. Not just Dukes, it's Dukes and Tanaka. Because he's he's use, because he's using all of the goodness that Tanaka poured into him. Poured into him will, from a very young age. He will be he will be fighting put, with him. Put him put inside him. Yeah. Um so I mean I think it's a fairly even handed fight. I enjoy the fight. I, I enjoy actually a lot of the fights in this because they oh, do it's look, a great they, choreography. They do look realistic, you know, until the kind of killer blows sort of thing. But there's there's some great there's some great. The only thing is that he says at the start is like open your mind and uh, to, he's, to he's, he's not he's not uh, Quaid. Open your mind, start the reactor. <laughs> it's not Quado. No, he's not. Um, no, but he's when they're having that chat. Is it in the church or when um, when Tanaka's son's died? And he's like, you taught me to use a mixture of styles. And like, does he really use anything apart from roundhouses at the end? No. He does some nice chops and stuff. But um, I do I do like the choreography in this is good, and the fight between them is good. But of course. If it's going to be an American guy and he's going to win an American way, the other guy's got to be cheating. So, yes, <laughs> he, he crushes up some Alka-Seltzer. Right. Um, throws it in his eyes. And, well, I just hope that Van Damme's done some blindfold training somewhere. Well, I mean, how are we going to be sure that he ever has, George? How would we I be able to I don't remember look- from 45 <laughs> minutes previous. I think I need another reminder. <laughs> I think it's time for a flashback of Tanaka attacking by surprise. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got him fighting uh, blindfold. Uh, sorry, blinded, and there's some again some brilliant, uh, brilliant Van Damme acting of him really. And I think there's a great meme to uh, <laughs> on, on the internet of yeah, just Van Damme screaming, uh, lo- looking blind. Um, the the poor uh, is it the the ref? The ref gets gets chucked in there. Well, he's and... wearing a nice silk kimono, so he's yeah. uh, easily easily identified. But Van Damme's just trying to protect him. Yeah, exactly. Or just to know where he is. And yeah, and then I don't know what's he get. How is he going to take him out? What sort of move? No, we... <laughs> not one. Yeah, not two, not even three, but four roundhouses. Four roundhouses, and I think we actually get to see the final one from three different angles. So technically, it looks like he's been hit seven, seven times. <laughs> 
No, it's quality. Um, so yeah, he's he's won the Kumite, um, just like Frank Dukes, just <laughs> like the real life Frank just Dukes, exactly like Frank Dukes. But he he goes to uh, to check in on on Jackson, and I'm pretty sure they declare their love for each other. Yeah, I love you, bro. I thought Jackson was dead. So did I. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was kind of the whole plot point was that, Jack- that he's no, dead. No, no, but we're probably getting. Oh no, he doesn't die. I was going to say because that's what happens in kickboxing. No, his, his brother just gets paralyzed. Yeah. Every, in kickboxer you've but got to raise the stakes but just not too far not too far there's going to be some young 10 year olds watching this 18 we can't go too far exactly no I think yeah maybe uh, selective memory I was pretty sure that J- Jackson died but he's, he's just got some uh, your friend has a very hard head yeah and it's, <laughs> we'll explain that away with some dialogue and the army forget everything everything's forgiven uh, Forrest Whitaker's happy just get on the plane friend and Forrest Whitaker you know what, Forrest Whitaker and John claude Adam, which one of them is going to win an Oscar Exactly, exactly. Which you have known back in 1988. Um, and then the uh, the whole reporter turns up at the uh, the plane oh just, my just, God. just to do the, uh, the just, bow, just bow the, to him. The fist bow. And it's like, yeah. And then we get hit with some Frank Duke's stats. Yeah. Fastest knockout, fastest punch. Fastest roundhouse. <laughs> Spinning kick, sorry. <laughs> fastest lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, true story, bro. Yeah, man, you hit it here first. So that was Bloodsport, and what a film it was! I I enjoy. I lo- I've got a lot of time for that film. It's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of memories for us. Oh yeah, I mean, um, I uh, I remember we did watch this a lot at our our friends at Glenn Dinnings, um, and deservedly so. I mean, it's an hour and a half. As you say, it's got some some great uh, fight choreo choreography in it and our parents wouldn't mind it because there's no real I mean obviously the swearing and there's, it, and there's, there's, there's not really that much gore where the guy's legs broken yeah but, yeah. but it's, it's pretty I think on the versions we had probably had taped off TV it probably wasn't in probably that. cut out yeah um, it's got a great soundtrack at times and it's a lot of fun if I had to decide between this and Kickbox, I, t- I really don't know. I mean, this doesn't have sexy dancing in it. No, I, to me, I, th- I think because I did have that conversation with, with my side. We're with yourself. With myself, <laughs> probably <laughs> whilst, whilst holding a DVD of each in one hand. Whilst <laughs> having a flashback montage <laughs> to when the first time you watched those films. But yeah, no. Whilst for, on a bus. Yeah, for me, uh, Kickboxer, I don't know, I just, there's... I think, uh, I think the... Uh, yeah, production values? <laughs> production values. I was going to say cinematography. Uh, I don't know why, but I mean, I love Bloodsport, but it's, it, you can... It, no, now, but Kickboxer has the whole thing with the, like, the glass and the bandages yeah. and whereas this does I want yeah exactly Sorry, and that, this... that's my really bad fantastic impression well, well we'll edit it out <laughs> but you and you've also got the backstory with his brother and the story is interesting and it, and it is very much a man he seems more vulnerable uh, in kickboxer and you see that he's gone further whereas in this like well, when he first turns up he's like does the dim mac breaks the world record there's no real threat you no exactly like he basically aces all of his fights apart from oh the big sumo guy that he has to do the nut nut punch to yeah and you kind of think it but i can remember thinking that the only tension was the size of chong lee's pecs <laughs> they, <laughs> how, how they you gonna are get around those big. bad boys they are pretty big so that was blood sport and now we're gonna be moving on and having a chat about hard target in a darker side of dixie Away from the music and the lights, there's a new game in town. You'll be provided with a guide 
trackers and the weapons of your choice. I need to file a missing person report. The competitors are deadly. We pride ourselves in hunting only combat veterans, men who have the necessary skills to make our hunts more interesting. And they always win. You want to find your father? Get somebody who knows the city to show you around. Now, the opposition is about to get one last chance. What kind of a name is Chance? My mama took one. Jean-Claude Van Damme is the hard target. You miss me? From internationally acclaimed action director John Woo. Awesome to be hunted! You tell me! Hard target. And so now we turn our attention to the 1993 film by John Woo, Hard Target. Hard Target. Release saxophone! <laughs> so, uh, as I said in the intro, this is a John Woo film. John Woo was a renowned Hong Kong action director, and apologies if I'm recovering ground that we, we covered in uh, Face Off. Um, but yeah, he was a big action director in Hong Kong, uh, was very sort of highly revered, had some really successful action films. So uh, The Killer, Better Tomorrow, Hard Boiled were, were some of his uh, biggest hits. And when somebody becomes, you know, from a foreign land, becomes successful in film, Hollywood comes a knocking. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of studios were keen to get him on board. And funnily enough, uh, the first script he was offered, which he turned down, was actually Face Off. Because at that time, it was a science fiction movie. I'm not ready for the whole robots and... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm just not ready for it, yeah. Set in the future, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Yes. Uh, so Face Off at that time was a science fiction film and it didn't interest him. But uh, Universal uh, had a script called Hard Target and they brought him on board. But at the same time, even though they're really excited to have John Woo on board and they'd already had uh, Van Damme was in place because Van Damme by this stage was a big star, big action mm -hmm. star. Universal even said we're in the business of making Van Damme pictures. And... Even though, yeah, Universal were were happy that they've got this, you know, revered action director on board, they were afraid his English might be a problem on set. And I don't know if you noticed in the actual credits, but it's executively uh, produced by Sam Raimi. Oh, Spider-Man 2. Uh, and obviously all the horrors he did. Yeah, yeah. so uh, the Evil Dead films, the original Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. Uh, yeah, so they actually hired Sam Raimi to oversee the entire shoot and replace John Woo if need be. But Sam Raimi was like, no, guy's doing a brilliant job. And uh, he, despite his limited English, uh, all the stories from, from the crew since are saying, you know, he's a, a pure gentleman. He was... You're you know, a real gentleman. Real, real gentleman. And uh, he was really respected. And I think it's even uh, Lance Henriksen. Uh, so Lance Henriksen plays the, the villain in this film. And Lance Henriksen is a great sort of B-movie actor. He's uh, in Terminator. He's in Aliens. Bishop in Aliens, yeah. Bishop in Aliens. Um, he's also in Alien vs. Predator. But uh, Let's not talk about that. Um, but yeah, Eva, uh, Lance Henriksen said, uh, said it... Um, it quickly became, instead of it being a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, it became a John Woo movie on set because everyone was, was you know, so in awe of, of this... Uh, of the his, way he worked. Yeah, of the way he worked, of his, of his style. Um, so the, the story um, 
is is written by Chuck Farah, and it's actually uh, based on an old short story called The Most Dangerous Game. Okay. So about big game hunters hunting men. Uh, so yeah, the script had been knocking around for a while. And when Van Damme came on board, Chuck Farah had to work out why the hell have we got a Frenchman. So they, the reason it's set in New Orleans is, or New Orleans, yeah, is to explain is, explain yeah. the the Frenchy, yeah, slash Belgium. Music soundtrack by Koto or Kodo. Kodo, but yeah. But the way it's written, it's like Sushiri. you should. It's like no, but it's it's, a, it's it's sold to you as if you know Kodo, right? Right, right. right. He's big in America, right? Wrong. Um, yeah, the music in this film is awful. Mm. Apparently, John Wewa again. We talked about this on uh, Mission Impossible Two that he uh, has. You know, his original cuts are quite long, so his original cut was over two hours. This film, I think, clocks in it an hour and a half, barely, uh, barely, and focused a lot more on Fouchon, which is the the Lance Henriksen char- character. Uh, but apparently, Van Damme and his own editor locked themselves in an editing room for two days, re-edited the film for the producer. Uh, Van Damme stated that. Moviegoers were paying to see a Van Damme movie, not a Lance Henriksen film. But, ego. Well, yeah, ego massively. But, I mean, we're going to get to it. But, well, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Your um, your feelings on Lance Henriksen in general. I mean, we're in the movie, aren't we? Or are we, we're going to dive in. Have you got any more production uh, you want to cover? No, no, it's it's very brief. I mean, I say, well, we've talked about John Woo. Um, yeah, at this time, 1993, Van Damme is, you know, he's got a few hits under his belt. He's pretty much sort of, this is his... Bankable. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a bankable action star. And that's why, yeah, it's keen uh, that Universal were keen to keep a hold of him. And I think this is a year before Universal Soldier, which I'd say is probably peak Van Damme yeah. in terms of his career. Uh, and, and box In terms office. of what he would have got paid and what the box office yeah. would have made. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, that's the production chat for me. Quite a brief one. We I don't know when we get around to it, but what's your? Because I just felt by the end of this film like so hammy. He's oh, actually good and he's quite menacing, but it's that final he, act. He gets angry and angrier, and he doesn't like, do angry very convincingly. I don't think. No, no, I I really like Lance Henriksen. Yeah, um, me too. I think he's better. Yeah, toning it down as a as a sort of seething menace rather than. Hammy, yeah. But, I no, but like in Aliens, as Bishop, you really feel for him, and you feel, and he's a cyborg. Yeah, uh, I develop feelings for him. But no, but I mean, he really, I, I love him in that role, and yeah, and in um, Terminator as the, as the cop, and he's but, he's really good in uh, Near Dark, which is a va- vampire movie I by Catherine Bigelow. That. I've got it; it's still in its cellophane. I need to. I've just been really busy. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it for a few years, but he's really good in that. Well. Um, but I just feel in this film he's, he's he good. uses it towards the end yeah he, he, at the he, end it's turned up to 11 and to be fair i'd say it's more like 15 my obviously we are revisiting the films of our youth and obviously been a while since i've watched this film but the first thing that knocked me over was like what the fuck john claude van damme is a homeless guy because <laughs> that didn't register i don't know why back then you had no i think when we first watched this film we didn't really have a lot of concept on you know the fact that he couldn't what the, the implications of him not being able to to pay for a square meal yeah were, and going down to the docks to get a job you know well that's it i mean i just like at that at that time i just saw it i mean i was you know 10 when this came out and i just remember getting out on on video and just like oh yeah it's, it's another van damme movie and it's funny that you know obviously didn't even now but now everyone looks on it as 
John Woo's first American film, yeah. rather than it, yeah, it being an out-and-out -out Van Damme picture. And that's right, because it's done more for Woo than it probably did for Van Damme. Yeah. And uh, I prefer the Woo of it than the Van Damme of it, in parts. Indeed. I mean, from the very off, it's pure, pure Woo. So it opens with, with a hunt in, in progress, and you've got the guy's point of view. He's going from door to door. Help me, help me. Uh, Why got... won't the people help him? Because <laughs> he's a hobo. Uh, yeah. Um, but you've got so much slow-mo. Again... Not just that, we're barely four minutes in, and we've seen that rotating spinning arrow. arrow effect ten times, like... <laughs> But like from different directions. I mean, it's so it's slightly overused. I mean, obviously he falls in love with an effect, John Woo, doesn't yes. he? He's been known to. Show uh, it again. Slow yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah, lots of of spinning arrows and lots of weird slow mo. There's not like full well, slow mo. There's like just a and the still. It's like it's a well, freeze frame. Yeah, no, no, no. There's 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 the slow mo transition between scenes that doesn't need to be. <laughs> it's just it's almost like. Needs more slow-mo. Needs yeah. more slow-mo. After that sort of opening dramatic scene, we get to see Van Damme. Well, first we get to see his glistening mullet. That's, and so, George, and I think first we, question is, is, are they extensions or is it his real hair? It's his real hair. Amazing. Because there's a picture, I was uh, doing my research, and there's a picture of him at the Cannes Film Festival uh, the same year, and it's properly, it's not greasy, it's like full, like, blow-dried mullet. It's massive. It's like the Coursard. It's, it's, it's worse than Kurzad. It's, 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 it's huge. But yeah, I think we need to sort of have a disclaimer. There's going to be a lot of mullet chat. I mean, if yeah. you listen to our, our Con Air episode, we talked about Nick Cage's greasy mullet. I think yeah. this is king of the mullets. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely Proper business just, at the front, party at the back. But I just wanted to verify that it was natural, because if you turn around and said, actually, it was... You can't, it, you can't have a... You can't fake that stuff. You can't keep a wig that greasy. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's flowing, and... He's just, also got the earring as well. Yeah, he's... Yeah, it's... I don't know, it's it's mesmerising. It's like... And he's got the trench coat. He's still got the high trousers. Still got the high trousers. Even though he can't afford a square meal, he can, he can damn right afford a belt and some trousers, and... Yeah. There's that bit... Uh, I don't want to be jumping forward too much but the bit where he first squares off where there's the first first um skirmish as it were with the locals he does this thing where he moves the, oh the, the coat he back. moves the coat out of the way and like has he got a gun my legs are my weapons yeah, yeah. Watch, <laughs> what, he's, he's cocked his legs i love that and once again i mean we fast forwarded from because you know we we just we just did blood sport 1988 we fast forwarded five years 993 we're still in 80 rrr oh there's some ri some really I, bad ADR i'm pretty going sure of, as well it's like is he really is he upping the accent it seems really thickly about your daddy <laughs> your daddy your I, papa i got really a little bit comfortable about how everyone referred to that that girl's as no, not your father it's everyone's like your daddy and and even the cops like when we till when we found your daddy yeah it's like why, is it, why stop calling him daddy yeah it was yeah there's some and you and that, so this is at an earlier time this is something that you and i've talked about in the past that in the 80s and 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 to early 90s, 90s the hangover from the 80s there was when it came to leading ladies they were 
proper proper women. They were usually in their sort of you know late twenties,、yeah. early thirties. They weren't sort of these you know teenage like Megan Fox types. They no, no, proper... they were they were established women. I think that was the eighties and nineties. They were. I mean, we'd just been to see Roadhouse, and it was the same in that. They were beautiful ladies, but who were not. It wasn't just all youth. It was、yeah. actually more convincing. It was like they had more of a story going on. And the girl in this is supposed to be the daughter of the guy at the start, and they look about the same age. Yeah, yeah. There's not. It's really, really. She, she's definitely sort of late twenties. Yeah. And the dad. It's barely forties. Yeah, barely forties, if that. Well, also if you work out the timeline, which is really confusing, because which war were these guys? These guys were in Nam, right? Oh God knows. Yeah. It's all over the show because if these guys were in Nam, they'd be like sixty in the nineties. Yeah.、They? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, and he does not look sixty. No, no, no. Maybe fifties, but yeah.、Um, so she turns up, but it's funny what you don't remember about this film. I don't remember about the cops being on strike, and I didn't remember about what terrible. Tourist video. This is for New Orleans. Oh God! I mean, it, it really... don't go to New Orleans. You will be robbed or hunted. Hunted. Or it's overrun by homeless people. The cops are useless. Cops don't work. Cops don't work. The music is basically it's like porn music. Not not that I've ever watched porn. It's like it's porn. What, it's what people consider to be porn music. Porn music. But I also lo- love the fact that even though、uh, Van Dam is is homeless, everyone seems to know that he's shipping out. Well,、uh, George, I'm sorry, but how do you know he's an able seaman? Because he's he's making knots. He's, ma- he's, making... he's making knots while we're looking out at the seagulls. He's having a moment, but that's the sort of like yes.、Yeah, so I think、uh, I think to get my character across, I think we need we need to sell the idea that I'm an able seaman. He was in the merchant navy, goddamn it. Yes, and I say he's really sort of he's working out the accent, and he's like smarter, not harder. Yeah, his accent is. You wonder what's happened with the accent. Somebody's obviously said to him. Um, more enunciate, boy. I don't know if it's that, or I don't know if he's actually had a word of himself. You know, it's new because is, hook, is he going for the sort of Louisiana? French yeah, I think that's it.、Thing. I think he, I think he's actually saying no. I need to drop my. I'm not a French because there's many different types of French accents of people living in the U.S. And he's like, this is an entirely different. This is an entirely different version of French、yes. that I'm that I'm channeling for this character because obviously he's 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 a well-established actor by this point,、mm-hmm. and I think he's. I'm not just I'm not just a guy who does. Houses. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. As you said, we get the proper exposition dump by the bad guys. Yeah. In terms of, he was in the military for for roundhouses. Where do、stuff. they get these these、uh, military? What they call the jackets, the files. What? what? Yeah.、I、Who's mean, got them? There was no internet. Like, I, I pulled his file. <laughs> yes, and you've got the very evil Seth Efrik. I、blood. love this guy Voslo. He actually、uh, was Arnold Voslo. Oh, Voslo. I love this guy. He. Was、um, and it's kind of hit his stride. He was in the he's the in the Brendan Fraser. He's the mummy in the mummy films. Yeah, and he was also in. He's a very good bad guy, very convincing, very, and but very thespian. And he's in、um, the not the last, not the the most recent season of、uh, my favorite cop show, Bosch.、Oh, but he、okay. was in the one before, which involves the the movie director who. Yeah, who Bosch is investigating, but he's his fixer in that, and obviously he's much older. Yeah, you know, like twenty years or whatever has passed, and he's great in that. He's like,、um, you know, he's just a very good rival、uh, to Harry Bosch, and it was interesting seeing in this because obviously I think he's, a, he, I think he's very good in this. Yeah, yeah no, no, I, I, he's, he's, he's a he does good, good number two. <laughs> he, he does good bad guy. He does good sort of sinister, and he has.、Uh, 
Sean Wu obviously liked him because he gives him a lot of time and he gives him a lot of slow-mo. <laughs> gives him a lot of slow-mo and him and Lance Henriksen play off each other quite yeah. well as, as well. We, we get our, our first moment of John Wuism. We get the first moment of Doves. Yeah. And the Doves show Van Damme the way. I was going to point that out. It's like the, jo- the Doves crack the case. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Doves. Detective Dove reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Dog tags, you say? What's that? A crossbow? A <laughs> crossbow. Why didn't I think of that? Okay, get back in the car, Doug. Exactly, there's only one dog tag. Yeah. They oh. come in two. Sorry, he's called Chance. He's called Chance, Chance Boudreau. What a name, Chance. Crack, cracking name. And then we get the some more sort of exposition all about the hunt uh, of that guy. Is that when we didn't realise that Lance Henriksen was just such an amazing pianist? No, but I, this is what I've got. Henriksen playing the piano aggressively while looking at himself in the mirror. I thought <laughs> getting angrier is and it? angrier. There is something about him in this film because it's interesting when... I don't know if you know, John, but uh, I can play the piano. But it's not just that. It's the fact that he is so angry in this. And it's not explained. It's not explained. And in, is it, and, is you just imagine Wu, Wu off camera going, look angrier. Look angrier, Lance, look angrier. But I think there's this obviously, you know, they've got so much respect for him and, and this was his breakout film. On, and in, obviously Wu was thinking, I have to do something different. I'm working with American actors and American set and all of this and this is my big opportunity. And he wowed them. And obviously, he, I think he, during the course of making this film, as you've said... He obviously thought, you know what the real story is here. It's La- it's it's Lance's yeah. story, and that's why it's almost this character feels underdeveloped because that that scene where he's like hammering the piano and just looking at himself like I'm gonna kill yeah. you, and also the fact that he's got a mirror installed just in front of his piano so he can just so he that. can work on his piano skills, yeah, work on his grimace yeah. while he's uh, while he's hitting the keys. Maybe he's practicing for a public performance. Who knows? And then he he's, he's it's impressive. But uh, anyway, newsflash. Telex, <laughs> Telex just got this over the Telex. Whoever, not not who still uses a Telex. Whoever used a Telex apart from com- financial companies. Well, what's the part with the Telex? Uh, remind me. I've, I've watched this film literally d- a few days ago. It's the bit when they're in the mansion, and I think they actually. It's the contract. Is it's basically like I've just got. They've just emailed um, confirmation. Oh, I think they confirmed oh. they closed the deal on that guy on oh, the okay. useless hunt guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they confirmed the hunt on that useless guy and it comes in over the telex. <laughs> oh, your, your money has been transferred. Yeah, you kefir. So, yeah, we well, that's it. There's a lot that what I sort of... I haven't watched this film in years. I remember it being lots of fun. It's slow. But it's, yeah, it's a good... For, apart from that opening hunt at the start, it's about... And then there's that little skirmish that I was talking about where the, Van Damme meets yes, a girl. He roundhouses and all that those is guys. And that is what John Woo is amazing at. I mean, that's a great bit of choreography with the, with the ball. And if you watch it all and the fact that... Uh, with the roundhouse taking the guy's legs. Or... And then, yeah, and then he throws another guy into the guy. Yeah, that's, that is a good bit of action. But apart from those two brief glimpses, it's like 45 minutes before this film actually kicks into gear and you've got his uh, Vietnam vet friend yeah. who gets nominated for the hunt Yeah, and turns the tables. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that, 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 is, that is a great little thing because that guy is like, you can see, I'm, I'm annoyed about it. 
Lance is obviously angry about how useless this guy is taking his money. Um, and that's why we take the money up front, motherfucker. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I love about this film is it's subtle sort of statement on the the homelessness crisis because the guy's running please help me please get away from me you bum yeah. and he's like he's clearly bleeding needing help but everyone's like don't touch me I get over about this film is how bad like New Orleans is sold as and like there's you go back to that initial skirmish like she shows her wallet the four guys walk out and then she, she they take her bag and basically when Van Damme turns up They've got her bent over the car. It's broad daylight. Yeah. And you're just like, what are you insinuating? That they were just going to go and, you know... I just think the, the New Orleans tourist board would be turning... Well, would not be happy about Definitely that. would not be happy. So, so, yeah, we have the failed hunt where that, that, guy, that guy shows that he's got the credentials. Yeah, um, he's got the credentials. But then... All sorts he goes out the window when they just gun him down in the middle of a busy street. Yeah, nobody I, cares. No, yeah. but I just thought it was like in terms of it's a very secret operation and that's why we, we pay this money. This is like, just kill him. Just get rid of him. Kill him in the middle of the street. And he's but like, it's a good death. He's, he's, yeah, it he's, is an honourable death. He stands up to them. Then, yeah, it kicks in a gear because you've got the... Uh, they're cleaning up their loose ends. They want to get rid of that sleazy guy. Mm. And I've just got down the scene as street ambush and that's just when all shit just goes goes south they just start shooting everything and and everything oh no but also in the middle of, in the course of all of this the 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 actor actress who gets the best, the worst actor the cop the oh, detective the, the one cop in new orleans who can who is really struggling with with the five lines that she has i mean i i just i, I was watching this going this this is just terrible so yeah she gets taken but Van Damme has gone from being a bum to basically running the case. Yep. There's him, there's this terrible cop who... Detective Dove's doing a better job than this, this I'm, terrible I'm, cop. I'm waiting for a Detective Dove spin-off. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. You know the Doves are coming back later on in this film. As we've said before, um, the henchman, I can't remember his name, but the the actor, uh, Vos- Vosley... He's called uh, Van Cleef. Van Cleef, that's it. Because it's after Lee Van Cleef. So he's having a great time. And then... Unbeknownst to us, is that John Claude Van Damme on the bike? Oh, I thought his hair was a light brown. I thought not a I, dark brown. I don't remember him being that tall either. <laughs> We've got the Joker's stunt double. So yes, I've got in Capulet stunt man. That um, then he goes into it's sort of like John Woo's like right now. Now we're going to have some fun. Yeah. So because what are we going to do? What can we do with a bike? Well, so, so yeah, Van Damme's. He's got. Pickup truck full of guys. And he's got a handgun. He's got a handgun. He's on a bike. The the, the van's coming towards him. All the, They've the all are. got sub-automatic MP5 machine guns. So he thinks the best thing to do is his, his fuel tank's been shot, but he balances, he stands up on the bike, yeah. fires, manages to kill everybody. Kills everyone. And then hits, the hits, bike, hits, hits the car, car, rolls over the top of the car. But he lands. That's what is so ridiculous, isn't yeah. it? It was all a plan. Yep, it was all a plan. And but then they they jump onto a train. They escape Lance Henriksen and his and his and his gang. And then they become the hunt. Yeah, no. There's even the lines like, "We're on his turf now." And I was like, "Eh, what?" He, oh, you missed the backstory. So he was raised in by the bayou. his uncle in the bayou. Oh well, we haven't got to. Uh, there's one thing before we get to his crazy uncle. Is obviously one of the most memorable bits of this film is the snake scene. Yeah, 
no snakes were harmed during the making of this film. That robotic snake. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Van Damme tries slapping it first, then just... Oh, oh, just it's a great little punch. He, he gives it a proper punch um, with some guitar music. Ding, ding, ding. Um, but, the, yeah, so he, he lays the trap using this... He bites off the tail of the rattlesnake. He bites off the rattle part of the rattlesnake oh, to make it mad. Uh, and but then also to be it. silent, maybe, as well. Yeah, and no, but it's to make it crazy. But then and knocks also, it out. And then um, puts it on the tree. So the next person who comes along, I, I, I don't really... And wakes it up. Like, do I look like Ray Mears to you? Uh, no, I don't I don't know what's going it's on. It's a great trick, anyway. It is a great trick. But the thing that occurred to me at this point, right? So we're in the bayou, right? It's tropical. Like, yeah. everyone is visibly sweating. Yeah. Yet wearing three layers of clothes. Trench coats. Everyone's wearing it's, trench it's, coats. It's John Woo, baby. Yeah, and he's wearing double denim. And, yeah, Henriksen is wearing... Because it goes on fire. I'm sorry yeah. I'm jumping ahead, but he's wearing a suit and an overcoat. And, and everybody's And a waistcoat. And everybody's sweating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, wardrobe, baby. It's not practical. But So after the snake scene, we get to meet the wacky, ex- eccentric uncle mentor character because it wouldn't be a Van Damme film without an eccentric mentor. Got to have something in there. But no flashbacks, unfortunately. No, no. I could have done... This is one... I could have done with a flashback. I would like to have seen I him playing... Know. Like with Maybe with him like with a, with a semi-mullet. Growing you know, it out. Growing it out to show the passage of time. But it's Uncle, Uncle Duvet... Yeah, he's called Mr. Duvet. <laughs> is, 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 is Duvet a French name? Is, or is it a Louisiana thing? I think it's a Louisiana thing because I, um, I remember my, uh, my, my wife's French and I remember asking her one day, she was like, uh, you call that a duvet? And it's not, a, I don't think the French actually call what we call a duvet and we pronounce it in a French way in English. I don't think the French do. They call it duvet. I don't think they even call it duvet. I think, it's some, I think, no, I think it's called another word entirely. Uh, right. I think we've come up with that or it's a hangover from... God knows what. So, so Uncle Duvet is uh, played by Wilford Brimley, yeah. who was in Cocoon. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly who he is. Yeah. And I, that is why I know he was ADR'd by somebody else. Oh, no, no. He's, I is think, it he, I think he's properly hamming it up. He's doing the happy oh, French. No, 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 no. He's having a great time. Um, and he's, he's like, what, well, I'm in the film for like 10 minutes? Yep. And he'll get to ride a horse? Yep. Yeah. I'm well, in. Well, that's it. I've just got it on my... Wilford Brimley on a horse with a bow and arrow. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. <laughs> um, but I'm a bit perplexed that it's like, so... I totally forgot about him, by the way. But uh, Chance turns up and he's like, I'm being hunted. And he's like, what have you done now? <laughs> and then and then just decides to blow up his own house. Yeah. Because some people are hunting his, his nephew. If they were that good, maybe it would have just been too, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I think it's just a... We need a big explosion. We haven't had an explosion for a while. Um, so, yeah, he's not... There's also a point when he gets his shotgun back, he's not sure what he wants more. Does he want the girl or does he want the shotgun? The shotgun, the dusty shotgun. This In a lot of this film, and I don't know if it's John Woo, but guns are really cool. <laughs> guns, <laughs> yeah. Guns are... I mean, you know, he loves a bit of gunishment, but... Uh, there's a real variation of guns. That gun that Lance is carrying around is brilliant. The um, Oh, the, the one-shot sort of uh, lo- loaded sort of pistol type right, thing. Yeah, it's... it's the fact that it's it's powerful, it can make anything explode. And well, that's that's what I've got into. There's the um, they're chasing him, or well, they're flushing him out with the helicopter. And so Van Dam or Van Dam stunt double is <laughs> Van Dam clearly can't ride a horse. Van Dam stunt double is on a horse and being chased by a helicopter, and they're firing at him. And the trees are exploding. Yeah, 
But I, why, is, why is everything exploding? I think, I think that's because Van Cleef is using, it looks like an... A, incendi- are, you, are you trying to defend John Woo and say this, he's using incendiary rounds? Not incendiary rounds, no, he's got an under, you know, the underrigger grenade launcher that you can have on a... Oh, no, no, but the, the, there's just people like the other guys just machine gunning and when it hits the trees, the trees are exploding. Well, then I think they're using incendiary rounds. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. So, yeah, you've... you've Origins of Gun Carter... Possibly, I mean, I, I think is that it's probably. No, no, sorry, I, I, I don't mean to jump ahead, but you know, the final standoff when they get. So to yeah, this... we've got to the factory fight. So guns, lots of guns. All the, the they've um, Lance Henriksen's pulled out all the big game hunters. Yeah, they've got cars full of guns. They're going to get lots of money. Everyone, if t- any of them survive, everyone's tooling up. Um, Van Damme, you said he's got his, his shotgun of choice. He's picking off people very long distance with a short-range weapon. It's, it's impressive what he's able to do. But no, when I was saying this is the origins of that great idea, Gun Carter from that B-movie, Equilibrium, um, where, combining martial arts with, with gunplay, is the fact that he's like, he shoots someone, then he punches them, and then he shoots them again. And obviously throws in a roundhouse. Oh, obviously there's down. a roundhouse, yeah. Um... But yeah, it's it's there's I just I just thought this this scene could have been could have been done better. The it wasn't that impressive. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah, kind of a builds bit up. It's it's built up to be, oh, this is a showdown, there's twenty guys, he's in there. There's nothing I mean, maybe we've been spoilt since ninety three with, with much more impressive final act three stakes raised us versus them things. And I think that's partly because if you just look at it, he's a bit clumsy. There's 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 lots of shattered glass. There's lots of diving through glass. Yeah. Um, there's lots of shooting like five from two meters away from somebody with two guns and missing. <laughs> yes. Yes. But yet again, being able to hit the same guy, being able to hit somebody twenty yards yeah, away with a shotgun. Know, the, in terms of the yeah the the gun Carter type stuff, there's a there's a point where he shoots a guy like twice in the chest but then does a roundhouse on him just to make sure yeah. he's definitely and then he dead. shoots him again yeah <laughs> so like bang bang now I'll give him a kick yeah John I need to do my thing and then there's the thing with uh, I think Lance Henriksen gets like shot with a shotgun and they do the thing that they obviously do in a lot of films where he gets shot with a shotgun and he's on a rope so when he gets shot with a shotgun it like shows the realistic he impact of a shotgun yeah. he, gets, he gets blown like backwards but then he's up he's he up. just gets up enough to take out um, the wacky uh, moonshine adult uh, uncle and yeah I mean it's it's but very did, strange but did you notice the exact Yes, there's something from a film we'd seen. Uh, from Face Off. Yeah, it's the yeah, exact it's... same shot. Of, so you're of both, you're you've both got... against the wall, so you're talking to each other, you... then you turn around and you and look and then you start shooting. So yeah, you've got Van Cleef and uh, Boudreaux backs against the wall, talking trash to each other. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's exactly the same as the mirror shot in, uh, in Face Off. But, but I obviously think... it's better in Face Off when they're looking at each other in the mirror targeting each other because they actually are each other but do you not think that he also I like that I'm going to um, use that again uh, that, was, that was really good why don't I do the face off thing again yeah. why don't I throw in some but mirrors? he does do action very well and we have when Van Cleef is taken out it's hilariously good I mean when he goes underneath the table goes and he, so, he, so he dives out of a window twists in the air lands on the floor slides, slides along the floor slides along the floor amazing amount of momentum momentum and then manages to take out 
you know, one of the best actors, I think, in this film, uh, Vosloo, with two guns from Naturally. upside down. And, um, and then and then he sto- he falls on him, but he stops him with his foot, doesn't he? And then I think he... Does he kick him? <laughs> I, he, no, he steals a grenade off him, but then I don't know what whether he just... Yeah, maybe he does kick him. Yeah, and then obviously we get to the final death of Lance's character, which is the classic grenade down... Grenade up your jacksie. What made you want to complicate my life like this? Poor people get bored too. Oh. Load me. I have, well, there's a couple of things I want to chat about this. I have distinct memories, and this is maybe I'm making it better in my head, and maybe getting it confused with Blade, but I, I was convinced that Van Damme roundhouse kicked the grenade. I Land- remember him roundhouse kicking a grenade. M- maybe it's in a different Van Damme movie. It might be Universal Soldier, maybe. There's definitely a Van Damme film where, where he kicks somebody a throws a grenade and he... And he Van Damme roundhouses it back at them. Yeah, and they're going, oh no, that was the last thing we expected. Um, but he doesn't, yeah, he puts a grenade, um, but the there's the moment where like Lance Henriksen's beating the shit out of Van Damme, and Van Damme, we talked about there's no flashbacks in the film, but he starts having flashbacks, and he has a flashback to uh, the guy at the start, Binder, dying. It's like, he wasn't at his death. Yeah. Uh, he flashes back to the black <laughs> Vietnam uh, guy getting shot. His but he, death. He wasn't there when he got <laughs> <laughs> And I think he has a flashback to uh, Uncle Duvet getting shot. So he has multiple flashbacks. Only one that he was present at yeah. to spur him on and to jump over the barrel and kick the shit out of uh, Lance Henriksen. Yeah. So yeah, we were. I think we would. I think we we always like to be honest about how we feel going back and watching these films. And I think we were both slightly underwhelmed going back to Hard Target. Yeah, I was. I was really looking forward to to going back. Just the pace of it. Uh, I mean, obviously, being a John Woo film, you know, John Woo films are never dull. No, um, and there's always doves. There's always. We just do- didn't realize that some of them were sleuths. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's it's a double whammy of it being John Woo and Van Damme, and we expected and, more and back again, then. I think, and again, it's it's that selective memory. But I remember it being really good when I was ten but, or eleven. But can you not remember that it didn't do as well? I can. Yeah, I think yeah. I was. It was, it was a bit of a. It was a, a bit of a flop. I can remember as like. We we got it on video because it was like she was going to see the cinema. I was like, mm. <laughs> well, I, I would have been too young, but I just remember going, oh, yeah, give it a go. But I, I can re- I can remember it being, or maybe it was after we'd seen it, us being well, yeah, because yeah. us being a bit, meh. Yeah. but it did have all the makings of being a great film, and obviously it, it kickstarted um, John Woo's. Uh, well, I mean, that's it. He still had uh, so Woo would go on to make uh, Broken Arrow after this, and again, John Travolta. John Travolta hamming it up to the max. Oh, actually, no, he hams it up to the max in, in face-off. But it still, yeah, took him a bit of time to find his feet. I mean, obviously, face-off hasn't aged well, as, as we've covered in, in our episode. But that but is amazingly but, bad. It's, but, it's, it's so enjoyably bad. Yeah. No, 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 but and face, it's Nicolas Cage. But face-off well. gets it right because you've got good actors... Uh, hamming it up and some great action set pieces yeah and he's he's kind of Wu's kind of lots found of people his, pulling guns at each other yeah <laughs> he's found his rhythm and he's 
the Hong Kong cinema has a different pace of and a different way of storytelling. And clearly a lot more slow-mo. A lot more slow-mo and there's a lot more jazz in his Hong Kong stuff. Right. And uh, Wu himself turns up as sort of like cameos as well. Okay. Hiya! Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, yeah, you and I were talking about this before that stuff like Bloodsport you know has it our, our, our love for it hasn't changed yes it's it's pretty ropey it's it's a but it's an exploitation film it was it, done on a low budget but it's still there's a lot of fun to be had Hot Target you know I don't think we're going to the sort of the, the depths of Tango and Cash you know we don't want to be you know annoying anyone there's still a lot of fun when it I enjoyed gets going it. I enjoyed it I enjoyed it it was, it was just it was the funny things like the stunt man I thought uh, Lance Henriksen was a bit hammy but I remember enjoying this when I was younger and I enjoyed watching it again and it's I think it's it's still for Van Damme's bigger films there are better ones out there I mean I think and you've got a lot to pick from I mean there are some actors that you've only got you've only got five films to pick from but from <laughs> I mean Van Damme made a lot of straight to video this wasn't one of them no no this was at his peak so obviously I'd say Universal Soldiers after this and I'd say that's probably his best blockbuster his best non sort of martial arts yeah I think even that... though it has obviously got martial arts in Time Cop I... yeah Time Cop, yeah, I mean, but that's, was, a lot, that's a lot of fun. More mullets, yeah, definitely interesting mullets as well. Ooh, maybe, maybe, maybe note that down. Yeah, uh, what, what, grow a mullet? <laughs> <laughs> so, George, is there anything else that we need to discuss? Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Unfortunately, I couldn't find uh, any coulda, woulda, shouldas for, for Bloodsport. It was uh, made with, with Van Damme in mind to, to make him into a star. But interestingly, coulda, woulda, shoulda, so other actors that were considered for the role, um, apparently Kurt Russell was originally sought for, I don't know if it was it, the character was still called Chance Boudreaux, or even set, as I say, I think they specially set it in New Orleans yeah. for when Van Damme came on board. Yeah, so he was originally approached, but he was locked into different uh, projects and they the studio couldn't wait two years for him to film it with him. But apparently... But they could wait two years for Van Damme to grow his hair. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But apparently Van Damme met uh, with John Woo when he was filming Double Impact, which was set in Hong Kong obviously where where John Woo lived uh, back in 1991 so they were Van Damme kind of, versus Van Damme Van Damme versus Van Damme one of many films where Van Damme <laughs> plays a twin there's a li or, or a clone really because I've only seen, I think it's only double double the, impact there's that I double impact there is you're much more of a Van Damme aficionado than I am uh, then there's his straight to video ones so double impact is a brilliant one is that how do we know that uh, one has slicked back hair and stubble and the other one doesn't yeah one of them's nice and there is another one with natasha henstridge i think it's maximum risk where his twin brother that he never knew existed gets killed at the start and then he comes in to avenge the brother he never knew's death kind of and, like. and sleep with his wife <laughs> <laughs> as you do and then there's replicant where he's a clone of a serial killer or something have you ever seen cyborg i haven't seen cyborg but interestingly cyborg i haven't either is a another canon films production 
that Cyborg was made using sets that they'd start and costume they'd start building for the sequel to Masters of the Universe that never happened. Right. And Canon Films were also at the same time trying to make a Spider-Man film because they had the rights and they ran out of money. So Cyborg is using sets and costumes from those two films that never happened. I smell an episode. So yes, that might be another Van Damme well, and, film. And also, interestingly, we neither of us ever saw it. So, so it could be interesting. <laughs> well, it wouldn't actually be much of a retro ramble though maybe we'd have to put a different sort of spin on it maybe but but it uh, did we'll, exist at the time we'll have to see what uh, you know fan demand listeners demand if they want us to go back to Van Damme let us know which you know he has got a lot of films out there and we will revisit him at some point so yeah let us know uh, on the usual channels if uh, there's any key Van Damme films you want us to to look at in the future Yes, yeah, so we are on Stitcher, we are on iTunes, we are on Spotify, Acast, we're on YouTube. Yep, and uh, if you've got any questions, obviously we're probably most active on Twitter and Facebook. We post a bit of stuff um, to Instagram and then there's obviously the blog at RetroRamble.blog. So thank you for listening. I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.